is Selena. And I'm Unsel. And you're listening to Real Talk, where we talk for real about the most recent movies we've watched. Alright, today's episode is about Joyland. By director Saeem Sadiq. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, we're gonna botch so much of this, like, in terms of pronouncing names. But we'll try our best. So I watched this film around two weeks ago, maybe even three, at the Museum of Moving Images in Astoria, (sighs) Queens, New York. Um, It was in a very small theater. It was very intimate, only a few people. Um, And yeah, it it was a great experience. What about you? Yeah, perfect setting, I must say. Mm-hmm. Me, uh, you said you said you enjoyed it, and I thought I'd watch it, and so I torrented it. Can I say that? Yeah, sure. R. <laughs> because it isn't available anywhere for streaming. Uh, and watched it on my laptop last yesterday. Um, I'm not sure how accurate the subtitle translation was. Oh, okay. I hope it was accurate. It was definitely okay, but, you know, some typos here and there. Mm. But I also watched three other movie movies yesterday, so they're kind of, like, jumbled up in my head right now. I went a little insane this weekend, and I watched two movies today. Oh, wow. So, yeah, not so coherent right now. Well, <laughs> <My brain>. I... <laughs> Alright, so um, a little bit about the movie. It premiered at Cannes Film Festival in 2022, and apparently it was the first Pakistani film to premiere at Cannes. And uh, it first screened in the En Certain Regard section. Oh wow, okay, you're French, you're French. <laughs> Where it competed for the um, Camera d'Or Prize. Okay, wow. <laughs> trying my best here, um, putting that French to use. And yeah, it received, I don't know, okay, I don't know how long of a standing ovation it received, but it received a standing ovation according to what I don't have. Don't they all, actually no, they don't all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it won the jury prize as well as the queer palm prize for the best LGBT themed film. I didn't know that was a category, but very cool. Yeah. And it was also initially banned in Pakistan, but after making a few edits, it was approved for release. No, what I read was different, actually. Oh, okay. Well, this is from Wikipedia. Which is not reliable, mm-hmm. notoriously. I think I was I read this from a New York Times article. Either that or The Guardian, mm-hmm. which is less reliable, but... Uh, it said that the director, Sadiq, followed the strict rules for like censorship and even shot alternate takes of certain things that he knew would have to be censored or would be rejected. So he, even though it didn't like, it wasn't exactly what he wanted, he really wanted the movie to show in Pakistan. So he did these alternate takes and even cut scenes that they wanted him to cut even blurred like a hugging scene where because it was in public like lots of strict rules he was not happy about but he did it he did all of it and then there was like a lot of controversy online near its release date and then it got banned oh wow uh in all of pakistan but then part of pakistan i see i don't know the region so i can't really say exactly um lifted the ban but the part of pakistan with the majority of theaters so the majority of pakistan still kept the ban so it was still banned in most of pakistan mm. okay well wow, that's a lot more specific than what i had to offer <laughs> okay i mean it wasn't okay. really i didn't have any names yeah which is sad it is sad 
but also interesting that he he made the movie with censorship in mind and tried to like go around the restrictions but it didn't work i guess yeah how many times have you come across censorship watching movies um you mean like in the movies themselves or like watching movies that have been censored in countries yeah yeah i meant like because the country censored the movie i haven't been in any country where movies were censored vietnam i don't remember much about watching movies there okay in theaters hey we watched a couple actually but they were all very pg-13 movies yeah new moon twilight did we watch that together no, I don't think so. We did. Wait. We, I... we watched some other like sci-fi, no fantasy movie. No, this was in like fourth like Shadow grade. Or, something. or maybe it wasn't with you. Yeah. Oh, oh. thanks. Maybe it was Spokane or something. Like in Latte World? Oh my god. And it was with Natasha? Wait. I never have I never watched a movie with Natasha. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what group this is. Okay. I don't think I was as close to you in fourth grade. No, third grade. Third grade. What the f- That's so long ago. All I remember about third grade is hating my teacher. Okay, we weren't friends in third grade, so I guess not. Yeah, yeah, we weren't. Okay, never mind. That's fine. (laughs) We watched Deadpool 2 together? One? Did we? At like Vin, Vin Cinema, whatever that is. Dude! (laughs) Like at a Vincom? Like when I went, the last time I was in Vietnam. Yes. I remember eating pho with you, and then Leon and your mom and walked then, in. Oh, you took me to the cinema. It couldn't have been a Vin one, though. It was probably, um... It was, like, new. Holy shit, I'm forgetting the name. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Vivo City. Yes, that one. It's a Singaporean mall. Right, yeah. We watched Deadpool, right? One of the Deadpools. I don't really remember Dude, watching Dude, oh my gosh, okay. Or what movie we watched. If only we had Letterboxd then. Oh, true. Alright, anyways. So what I wanted to say about censorship initially was I watched Kingsman in Vietnam. And if you remember that church sequence where Colin Firth's character goes into a church, falls into a violent rage, and kills everybody in the church, and then steps back out. Do you remember that sequence? I don't remember that scene at all. Oh my god, it's so epic. I'm gonna send you a clip of it. uh, Uh, Okay. But that entire sequence was cut out, so when I watched the movie, Colin Firth stepped into the church, and then he stepped out of the church. And it was so awkward, and that's how- oh. That's one of the major censorship things I've experienced in Vietnam. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't realize. I mean, I don't even remember the scene, but wow. It's legendary, man. You should. Okay. John Wick has nothing on that scene. Really? Okay. <laughs> not that I'm a huge fan of John You're Wick. You're not? I'm not. You're not either, right? Well, not the new ones, but like the first one, yeah. It was fun. The first few ones. Yeah. Back to the actual movie. <laughs> Any initial impressions you want to share? Well, the first thing I thought was, oh, interesting aspect ratio. And the only other time I've seen a movie with this aspect ratio was First Reformed, I'm pretty sure. Oh. Oh, yeah. I I totally forgot about the aspect ratio because it's been like two weeks or three weeks. But no, yeah, when I was sitting down in the theater, it felt very, it was very fitting, I feel like, very intimate. Yeah, Um, right? mm -hmm. What is it about the aspect ratio? Uh, Feels very focused to everything in like a one by one or two by two frame and just retro in general yeah gives it more of that indie movie quality feel 
Definitely. And, and I read somewhere, someone say that the confined aspect ratio oppresses the characters. Oh. That's also interesting. Maybe a little reading too much into it, but... <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, but I can see how that works, given the film's yeah. context. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of repressed characters in the film. Yeah. <laughs> what, what were your initial impressions? I think the first few minutes in, I experienced the comfort of watching a real film that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that knows what it's trying to be and knows what it's trying to say and is something that isn't a multi-million blockbuster film and isn't trying to be meta and clever i yeah i guess so not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with it but but it felt like it had a direction and purpose and came from the heart and you can feel it i think yeah I agree. Yeah. And it's definitely the most serious movie we've discussed so far. Have I said that? Oh yeah, for sure. I don't think you said that yet, but yeah, it was a very serious movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Very heavy. I think by the end of it, it was a lot to process. Yeah. We'll discuss the end later when we get towards the spoilers. So just to give a little bit of narrative background to the listeners, I I don't know if I can do this properly. Uh, Maybe you want (laughs) to... try it's been a while what no way (laughs) you'll be better at this okay so um this man heather is married and he lives with his older brother and sister-in-law and father and his nieces and nephew in lahore pakistan and he does not have any nephews it's just nieces okay Okay, all right. Because the whole point was that they didn't get a son. Oh, yeah. Like, his brothers and his wife couldn't get a son. It was four daughters, I think. Yeah, speaking of which, that's why there's a lot of pressure on both um, both his brother and himself to bring a son into the world uh, to continue the family's bloodline. Honor or name or whatever. And obviously, this also means that they live in a very patriarchal society that doesn't value women as much. And this was all conveyed very naturalistically or organically, I feel. Yeah. Like, even if we don't know anything about Pakistan, I think we got a really good sense of what it's like to live there like all the oppression and i don't i don't know yeah yeah it was so well done like it it didn't feel like it was like intentionally set up for it to be part of the movie it just felt like you were there in the setting Mm -hmm. and just to continue a little bit on the narrative so his older brother's wife So the movie begins with the wife going into labor and they were expecting a boy because that's what they were told they were going to have. But then when the baby came out, they find out it's a girl. So family's a little disappointed, but um, they don't make too much of a big deal out of it. Um, Heather and his wife, Momtaz, do not have children. So his father has been eager for him to conceive a child particularly a grandson like the father right abba yeah haha the band but abba is very traditional he's you know religious they all think family honor is very important they want a son you can't be seen doing anything sort of not respectable i mean from the get-go we get the sense that i'm just gonna say it hater because i can't even put like a yeah (laughs) hater has like a very sort of sensitive soft side to him not mm-hmm. not to say not masculine, but sort of feminine or I don't know. 
uh, we see this when just with how sort of considered he is, how good he is with the kids. Maybe I don't know if that's a feminine trait. Actually, I don't know. Uh, and how he couldn't kill the kill the goat, his mm-hmm. wife had to. And we already get a sense of that from the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. What was my point? <laughs> oh, so I guess maybe your point is that these qualities in Hayder, even though even though they're nice qualities, it's not something his father appreciates. Maybe father sees it as a weakness. That wasn't my point, but that is a good point. But also, it's his wife that works between the two of them, and it's him that stays home to take care of the children um, and wash the dishes and whatnot. So, yeah, he does the chores. He takes care of the children. And honestly, they seem happy. Like this was their them at their happiest. But my point was that Abba questions whether Hater and his wife don't want children or whether Hater can't do it. So he's questioning his, you know, manhood, basically. Mm. And that's what I mean. Like it's constantly questioned throughout the movie. So in the beginning, Hater and Momda seem pretty content. Um, but then they, you know, discuss. The possibility of Hayder getting a job, you know, increasing like the collective income for the both of them because she isn't making too much, but she she likes her job. She works as like a makeup artist, I think, bridal makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does go and look for a job. Specifically, someone he knows, like a family friend, recommends him for a position. And it turns out that the position in- involves being a part of a dance group that performs at an erotic erotic dance dance theater yeah yeah they're an erotic dance group which by the way wasn't so erotic (laughs) no i guess not i think maybe it has something to do with like the translation it might but it might also just be our idea of what erotic would be which might be more extreme okay i guess it's supposed to be a type of theater that arouses people but okay or maybe it's not even yeah i guess so considering Mm -hmm. the people who are sitting there the movie has a lot to do with sexuality um, of all the characters, or most of the characters. Um, sexual orientation, how they satisfy their own sexual desires, <laughs> what it means for their identity, all of that. I laughed when you said how they satisfy their sexual desires, because Momtaz has a scene where she um, spies on a guy who's call like basically calling somebody and masturbating Phone and sex? she's spying on him with binoculars and she starts masturbating by like <laughs> um what was it just basically kind of humping a cabinet yeah and then her brother-in-law salim hater's brother walks in that was just horrifying that is yeah also spoiler alert but <laughs> i guess it was in the first half though. okay it's a pretty big scene though so, so Hayther gets the job. He, he eventually accepts the job, even though he was hesitant at first when he finds out what it is. But wasn't like the main reason, sorry, wasn't the main reason he took the job because he recognized the girl, what's her name? Biba? Uh, Biba? Yes, Oops. no, Biba, yeah. Biba, from having seen her at the hospital when he was there to bring his sister-in-law to give birth. <laughs> yeah i'm having a stroke no it's fine you are having multiple strokes throughout this i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i've been told this recently so much that i look like i'm having a stroke oh okay. okay uh yeah yeah so yeah he recognizes her from the hospital and that's really the main reason he takes the job he's just somehow attracted to this woman for reasons we don't know yet not really yeah yeah, there seems to be some sort of connection there. 
and mm-hmm. it makes him take the job. And when he tells his family he gets the job, the family decides that Mumtaz, his wife, should leave her job and stay at home because who is going to do the dishes now and take care of the children if Heather is away? So that unleashes a string of events um, that that moves this movie along. Yeah, it's all about that. Uh, dancing... Which is like a, an outlet for Hater, who is so repressed. <laughs> and uh, his relationship with Biba, in which he explores his sexuality. Yeah, and um, I don't think we mentioned this yet, but Biba is a transgender woman um, who is an erotic dancer. And she's pretty, she stands her ground, she's pretty assertive. And yeah, she knows what she wants. She's a very assertive character. Yeah. Strong-willed. That's a good word. What did you think about the dancing? Dancing scene? Oh, bad. But like... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they tried to make it look better by doing, you know, the slow-mo shots. Close-ups. Because if we actually saw the whole scene, like, it it would Mm -hmm. be terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think that was really the point. No, I really liked the dancing scenes... I don't know if it has to do with the fact that they are moving in space. Like, it's like dancing is a very self conscious thing to do, right? And so, so when Heather first starts dancing, there, there's a little bit of like humorous undertones because, as you say, it's kind of bad. And, and I think it, it says something about like the vulnerability of the characters, too. Like, I really enjoyed watching it because dancing is something that's, that's nice to watch, it's interesting to watch. No, I never found dancing um, alluring. And I, so one of my favorite scenes where I just sort of like took a step back was was one of their dance performances where the lights went out and and they found a solution for it by getting everyone to raise their phones and turn on the flashlight. Mm-hmm. And then they dance in front of that audience with flashlight group. Um, and this scene parallels a previous scene of where Mumtaz also comes up with the same solution for her work doing bridal makeup for someone else. It was um, basically a moment in both of their lives where th- it was a turning point where they took charge of something and actually felt useful or did something that where they felt like they achieved something meaningful. Yeah, I, I found those scenes cool. I found the dancing scene even cooler, but yeah. When you say cooler... What do you mean, though? Because it's not like it, the dancing was good or that it was shot particularly <laughs> interestingly. That's a, that's that, a good question. Yeah, I think it was very, I think it was very effective. It, it, it like moved me, not like in an emotionally moving way, but in a way where I, to some degree, I felt proud of the characters. Mm. Um, like, wow, they were able to get through this and and they were having a successful night with like the dance scene, right? And I mean, I, I liked, so I, I mean, I thought it was, it was shot in an interesting way with the use of the lighting, at least. Yeah, I did like yeah. the lighting, actually. So I really liked the visuals with the lighting on the stage. Yeah, and I, I don't, it's been a while and I don't remember the scene in particular, but I just remember really enjoying the way it was shot and the use of lighting in this set production. It just kind of reminded me of a very traditional indie movie. Something about it, I can't even yeah. pinpoint what. I was very glad for like just the general indie vibe of it all because we've watched a bunch of blockbusters because, you know, it's a summer. It's a time of mm-hmm. blockbusters movies. Blockbuster and... summer. Yeah, it was refreshing. It was very refreshing. Yeah. Even the music, actually. There's, like, melancholic undertones throughout the movie, I think, with the music. Aspect ratio. 
cinematography. Speaking of cinematography, there was one shot. Do you have a shot in mind at all from the movie that really struck you? Is like the the famous oh, shot, shot of um. There's a famous hey, shot. Hey, they're riding on the motorbike with the cardboard cutout of Biba. <laughs> Is it famous? I feel like it's pretty iconic for the movie. Like, they use that shot in a lot of promotional photos. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, reminded me of Vietnam, because people, everyone there rides motorcycles, these tiny mm-hmm. motorcycles. And it's outrageous, the things they carry on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like six people on a motorcycle, the entire family. Or, like, a bunch of mirrors or tables. It's crazy. Closets, yeah. anything. Another motorcycle on a motorcycle? Yeah. Do you remember that scene from Spider-Verse where he goes to Mumbatton and and he sees a lot of people on motorbikes, like four or five members of a family on a motorbike, and he's like, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. The shot I really liked was, I guess this is, a, like, from here on out, it's basically spoiler alert, but when Biba dumps Hater because they were about to do it, and Hater... <laughs> Keeps attempting to. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how to say this. And then she's like, "What the fuck? Like, what are you trying to do? Get the fuck out of here!" And she dumps him. And that's the last time. Pen, like the second to last time they see each other. And when he's outside, you see his silhouette. And it's just that shot because we see Biba to the right and a uh, hater silhouette to the left. And it's through like this cloth that Biba has over the glass of the door. And I don't know. It's just a really beautiful shot. Oh, wow. Do you remember? I don't remember. Um, okay. But I remember that scene. Yeah, I think he wanted to be, like, the bottom or something. Yeah, exactly. He wanted to be the bottom. Yeah. When she's a trans woman, so, you know, you can yeah. kind of see yeah. why that's an issue. And she she calls him a slur for being gay. Um, uh, this slur means cigarette in other parts of the world. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> the UK. Yeah. What did you think about, like, the implications of that scene? Like, what what did you think about where their relationship was going before? And also, also what that scene meant for him? It was just so, like, you just want to sigh so hard. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Did you feel like they should have talked it out? That she should have spoken to him? Instead of just kicking him out of the house? Or, or do you feel like yeah. there's nothing to talk about? Well, okay, so I understand both sides. Obviously, Biba has to be very strong and she needs to be um, super strict and stern about what she wants and needs in her life because it's kind of fragile what she has. So when he endangers that, in a sense, she's like, no, I don't need this. Anyone who is against what I'm trying to be needs to get the fuck out. So that's her perspective and then hater um you know he just wants to explore he doesn't know he hasn't tried it he wanted to explore so or maybe he is actually gay i don't know he doesn't know so mm-hmm. you know maybe they could have talked it out yeah yeah or i not. guess yeah he's he was still exploring he was still trying to figure things out but it's just it's just unfortunate you know the world is unfortunate yeah. it's just how just it wasn't is. meant to be yeah but right after he's dumped he finds out that his wife, Mumtaz, is pregnant with a son, a boy. Um, so then he, like, kind of has a newfound... Purpose? Spark in his life. Yeah, purpose. 
you know, seems to be pretty happy. Feels like he's going to make the family proud. For once in his life, not the mm-hmm. big failure. But, you know, on the other hand, his wife is, you know, just falling. Yeah. Drowning. The purpose she serves now is to give birth to that son in the eyes of everyone in the family. And then there's this incredible scene where she tells her sister-in-law. Is it a sister-in-law if it's your bro- your husband's brother's wife? I guess it's still is. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Right, uh, what's her name? Nucci? Salim's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who had four girls, you know, the baby in the beginning has four mm-hmm. girls. They get close ever since Momtaz starts working at home, helping out. I actually really like the way, by the way, that women were sort of presented in the movie, especially Momtaz and Nucci and their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I loved, yeah, the portrayal of women in this movie. It was, it was so organic, but also just, they're strong women. You know, they know what they want, but, but they yeah. live in a society that doesn't want for them to have what they want. I kind of thought that the director, before I knew anything about the movie, must have been female. But yeah, no, it's, it's, he's male. By the way, did you know the director went to Columbia? Writer director. I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. I <sighs> found out shortly after. Very cool. It is cool. Anyway, uh, the women in the movie. If we go back to that scene where Mumtaz is confessing to Nucci that she wants to run away. There's like 10 seconds of just silence where Nucci knows exactly what she means. She's just trying to figure out what to say, what to do. And then Mumtaz can't take it. She just says, I was just kidding, ha ha ha, and then walks away. And the camera still stays on Nucci, and you just see her face. And it's just, I don't know, I guess it's terror. Nucci knows. Yeah, she knows. She definitely knew. She didn't take it as, she didn't even go along with the whole joke thing, because she knew she was being serious. And that later has consequences. Because, yeah, because spoiler alert, Mumtaz kills herself, slits her wrists. Oh no, she poisons herself. Oh yeah, where did I get slit her wrist from? <laughs> Listen, I saw six movies. Who slit their wrist? Oh my gosh. Someone slit their wrist, I guess. She did drink bleach, but who... What movie did I watch? Emily the Criminal? No, she didn't slit her wrist. Did I just imagine this? Maybe. That's pretty. A pretty. That's a pretty classic way to die. It's probably because like the last novel I read, the guy would slit his wrist. Oh my gosh. Or tried to kill himself by slitting his wrist. That's probably why it's in my head. Okay, no. This one was drinking bleach, which, you know, is another um, commonality with First Reformed. Spoiler alert. I mean, is there any point to saying spoiler alert if you say it after the spoiler? <laughs> no, there no. is no point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you say it before saying it, then... Sort of. Except no one has the time to pause it before you're done saying spoiler alert. Like, it That's never works. It's just... Yeah. That scene where she drinks the bleach, did you notice that she had the bottle of bleach in her hand when he walks in, but he just yes. didn't notice? Yes, it was so painful. You see, it was it was her giving him one last shot because you can tell throughout her entire pregnancy, he had been tr- he tried to be caring, he was caring, but he wasn't doing what she needed. He wasn't mm-hmm. attracted to her, he wasn't she didn't feel like his wife, I don't think. I I can't say what she felt. She was invisible. Yeah. Yeah, in her words, exactly. Am I invisible to you? And and she starts drinking this bleach in the bathroom, which she hid in the... I assume it's bleach. I actually have no idea what it is. Which she hid in the toilet seat. Like, what do you call that? Where the water is stored in the toilet? I don't know what that's called. (laughs) I don't know. Where people always store drugs and shit in Ziploc bags. 
that part. There's like a bottle of bleach, uh, and she starts drinking it, and then Hater knocks on the door of the bathroom, and he's like, "Hey, are you gonna be a minute, or should I like, can I use the bathroom?" Basically, and she's like, "Sure, sure, I'll get up," and she opens the door and she sits on the toilet with the bottle in her hand, and he's just like brushing his teeth, saying, "What was he saying? Like, how was your day, or something very inconsequential?" Yeah, and she's. She was just giving him one last chance. It was her last sort of really an obvious cry for help. Yeah. Yeah, that was insane. There were so many cries for help. Yeah. By the way. But before that, yeah, the that scene with the oh my god. Yeah, what what did you think? No, yeah, same. It was like harrowing, like like it it was a cry for help and if only he had seen or if only he had noticed. I don't think he ever did because after she dies and um Nucci is blaming everybody. Mm-hmm. How everyone had a role in her death. He he does seem guilty, but I don't think he knew. Did he know? No. No, he Well, I guess know. he must have, though. No, but he must have because she died that night. Probably there. So he must have been like, oh, why didn't I... Why couldn't I tell? Yeah, I guess, I guess yeah, he would have been like, why, why didn't I know? But I don't think he knew that she had the bottle in her hand when he walked in. But... Back to the cries of help. There was another one where she it was it's Abba's seventieth birthday, and she interrupts his speech by like starting to play tag with the children, being really rough, even though she's very pregnant. Mm-hmm. By the way, Abba's only seventy. He acts so senile. Can't believe he's just seventy. Um. Also, also speaking of women and relationships, Abba and that women neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Fayaz, I think that's her name. Fayaz? <laughs> Fayaz. We're laughing because we know Fayaz. Fayaz? How do you spell it? Um, our, our former classmate or the character? No, the character. I know how to spell <laughs> his name. Um, F-A-Y-Y-A-Z. Fayaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly the same. It's probably the same name, different spellings because different countries and... Mm, true. Mm-hmm. What about it? So, Fayez is an older widowed woman who seems lonely and frequently drops by Hader's family's home to see to see Abba and the rest of the family. And yeah, I think at some point in the movie we learn that she has her eye on Abba to some extent. No, she doesn't. To some extent. It's completely platonic. She just wants to feel useful. She just wants purpose in her life because she's stuck at home. And her son says, I even got her a Netflix s- subscription so she stays at home. Yeah. She but, just um, needs to feel something. But, oh, but don't you remember that conversation where Nucci and Mumtaz were talking about getting Fayaz to come over? And she asks Mumtaz, why do you think... She comes over all the time, and she says it's because she's been coming over since her husband died. So if her husband died, it means potentially... No, but I didn't get that vibe yeah. at all. Like, not, no, not like, not like in a very conventional sense attracted to him, but looking for company with someone else. Um, I guess so, it's kind of like a replacement, somewhere to put her attention. Yeah, like, I, I yeah, like... Another person, you know, ideally also another man who also doesn't have a wife at the moment. And and I mean, that leads to that whole scene where they may or may not have had a moment together at night. You know, she stays no, over. So. Yeah, no, that was like up in the air, like when she stays over. 
True, but I don't think so. Or Which part do you not think so? I, I think so. Oh pretty my god, strongly. now that you say yeah. it, yeah. Dude, now that you yeah. say it. And he's such a piece of shit for just like You just don't care about old people and their feelings. <laughs> yeah, oh I don't wanna think about that. Please don't put that image in my head. Okay. You're right, and he's such a piece of shit if they really yeah. did for just like abandoning her like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude, all the men in this movie are spineless. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's the women that, that make the firm decisions and are upfront Spine about what they want. Exactly. That scene with Abba and Fayaz and how he he eventually ter- tells her to go home. He doesn't want her to stay here. That that was also like a like a point of no return for for the character and his relationship with that with that woman. God, the relationships in this movie. Yeah, also another like what could have been moment, you know, if if that hadn't happened. Like so many potential alternative paths for their lives, but they just chose not to take it, like a happier path. They always let it just pass by because they're so repressed. Yeah, yeah. It's so suffocating. It is. It's so upsetting too. Like imagine living yeah. your life and not living it to the fullest or like not not living it to be to be happy. But just... I mean, I can I, I can imagine because I'm also in okay, that situation. Okay, that is but... true. That is true. But at least well, you have some flexibility, you know. Or more like more space to lie, but also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah Societal sure. constraints, man. Debilitating. Self deception. That's a whole other thing. Did you find it relatable? All of that. I. I don't know how to describe this. Like, it's not relatable in a very direct sense, but it's... Mm-hmm. You know what they're going through. You know the experience life. of, like, being... Yeah, life, and also being a woman. Um, being someone that is constantly told what to do. Not not that, you know, my, my life is ever comparable to what they're experiencing, but... Yeah. But yeah, in terms of, like, just having to follow rules and conventions and... To not upset the balance in society, mm-hmm. whatever that balance is supposed to be. Like, yeah, I can understand that. What about you? I found a lot of it relatable, but to a lesser, like, less extreme degree. All the oppression, suppression, depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the shuns. Yeah, it was a very emotionally packed movie. The more negative emotions. Yeah, true. Uh... Every character in this movie has some sort of inner turmoil or like some disagreement between what's expected of them and what they want to be. These expectations, these great expectations, haha. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite books, but yeah, suffocating. That was relatable to me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I also found that relatable. One part of the movie that obviously I don't, I can understand, but also because I've never been in that position per se, I can't ever fully understand is Mumtaz choosing to commit suicide. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's such a weighty decision. And honestly, I I understand it because I can see no way out for her if I yeah, were in exactly. her shoes. Yeah. But also just, it's so unfortunate. I just... Just, but I, she also yeah. tried, she attempted to run away once, and she came back. Yeah, yeah. What do you think was, why did she come back? Well, what? Why do you think she came back? 
Because where would she go, I guess? Like, she doesn't know anybody. I thought she had relatives by the beach. Maybe, but they they expected her to be in her marriage, you know, in her her new family. Like, everyone in society, I think, in that region are constrained by the same, like, rules. So, So if she were to go back, she wouldn't. They would send her back, I think. Yeah, and the rumors and everything. By the way, yeah. I relate to that as well. Just like everyone parasites yeah. rumors, gossip. Yeah. Spreading like wildfire. I totally relate to that as well. Wow. Because we grew up in a small town with a bunch of with a quite a large Korean community for the town, but a small community. And between those Koreans, gossip would spread like crazy. I mean, those Koreans have nothing to do in their lives except gossip about their children. And it's Dang. so annoying. About their children, too, geez. Mostly, because what else? They don't have a life. What are they going <laughs> to gossip about? That's true. Anything else you want to say about the movie? Yeah, I think so. Well, by the way, just back to what you were saying about her suicide. She obviously had thought about it for a long time. She... You know, this bottle was double-wrapped in plastic bags. It was probably in the toilet for a couple weeks, months. And Mm. it was even more devastating because it's like she really didn't have any other way out. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a powerful ending. Like, it's such a powerful movie in general, too. But when right when the movie cuts to her... I don't know, was it like her... Like her wake or funeral service? Yeah. It's just, it was such a powerful transition. Like, it was so abrupt. Like, you don't even get to grieve in between when you see her the last time and when everyone else shows up for her service. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I really loved the decision to, to do that cut. Um, it was, it was very effective. Towards the end, I really found the movie, I love the beginning and then also the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because there's a flashback to when Momtaz and hater first met and it hits you especially hard because this is after she's killed herself and it's it's an arranged marriage god it's just so hopeful and tragic because yeah. you know where it ends but the scene is hater coming to ask momtaz if he she wants this if she wants to get married because it's harder for the uh to be wives to be to refuse an, an arranged marriage and he said that he would say no if she didn't want to get married but no, they get along, and she says something along the lines of, I'm going to be the first bride to do her own makeup. You know, she... Yeah. yeah. Back then, she was also in love with her job, but she was also willing to compromise, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I know, Pain. right? It's painful. Also, I remembered the movie where the someone killed themselves by slitting their wrists. It was Captain Fantastic. Okay, is that a spoiler? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. No, not really. It's it's really not important, but yeah. Okay. It was Captain Fantastic. Okay. I guess people won't know who. Well, it's not that important. It's, yeah. That was like an interesting, interesting directorial decision to insert that flashback at the end. Yes. What did you think? I enjoyed it. You? It was like bittersweet. I, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I wasn't sure how I felt in the moment because it didn't initially tell us that it was a flashback until we see Mumtaz. So I think the transition was a bit confusing for me until I saw her and I realized, oh, this is a flashback. Because it's just first Hayther traveling. So initially I thought, oh, is he traveling after her death? But no, it was a flashback. Which he did, though. He went to the He did. That is true. Now maybe that makes it even more, you know, fluid and 
and artistic in its own way, like him traveling in the beginning and also at the end, and that being conflated or combined in a way. But at the end, do you think what's what, what is he doing walking into the ocean like that? Yeah, so this was a this was a debate between viewers, I think. Like, do you think he killed himself? I I don't think he did. Um, the the friend that I watched it with, she said she didn't think he had the guts to do it. She just think you know, like all men, they're spineless. So he's too pussy to kill himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, we were talking about me and my friend how it was a way for him to reconcile both his relationship with Biba and Mumtaz because he talked about going to the ocean with both of them and that Mm -hmm. was his way of connecting with both of them at the end. So that was like a really beautiful way to end the movie, yeah. And what did the ocean represent? Freedom, how big the world is. Uh Haha, yeah. Being liberated. Um, Yeah. I I just kind of, it really struck me how insane it is that he's never even left like that city where he's from. He had never even seen the ocean, which is insane to me. Yeah, I guess that's that's the lives of a lot of people when you think about it. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Biba, she showed up at Momtaz's funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. What did you think? I think it says a lot about her as a person. She, you know, she's a good person. She's going to show up for him because his wife died, even though, you know, she may not want to still be romantically attached to him i think she felt guilty does she? i think she felt guilty because she knew the reason probably that momtaz just fell apart was momtaz found out about them or no, she feels guilty for the way so. it ended with hater i don't think momtaz dying had anything to do with biba not really but it did because it all started with her and i that's, guess so I, I think like the biggest part of what momtaz was unhappy about with respect to her relation with relationship with hater was like the sexual aspect she didn't feel mm-hmm. like she was enough for him or that she wasn't right for him or whatever yeah she just wasn't attracted to her yeah i i don't think that that is that is so true but i don't think biba feels guilty just because she's like not a person who would feel guilty about that kind of stuff because it objectively it really isn't that and also she knows objectively it isn't her fault. Her fault. But yeah. so, but Nucci, like, objectively, you wouldn't say it is her fault, but she feel, yet she still feels like it's her fault. Like, doesn't I feel everyone like feel guilt? Even that if they're is true, maybe yeah. not responsible? I feel like Nucci played a bigger role in Mumtaz's death by, okay, yeah. by abling right. everything in the family. But Biba was just, she didn't do anything directly. She rarely had contact with Mumtaz. It was all like Hader. And while Nucci had the best intentions, she just kept Mumtaz in this cage. Yeah. She was the one who was, yeah. And Nucci should have felt guilty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone should have. Also, yeah. Salim is a piece of shit. He is. Dude, I, he's so nasty. Okay. Just ick. When he says she should have killed herself after the baby came out. Yeah. Jesus. Holy fuck. Just like the worst things you could ever say. Vile things. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what was Nucci and Salim's marriage arranged? I don't know. Like she could have done have better. Been. Isn't that their whole thing? I guess so, yeah. Uh I kind of wanted to ask you what you thought about the title because, you know, it's revealed somewhere in the movie that the name of an amusement park they live nearby is called Joyland. Mm-hmm. And at some point the wives and the kids go 
to Joyland and they have a good time. And then later we see Hader working there actually. Yeah. He's in like a some kind of co- tiger costume or something. Yeah. So I... what do you think it means? The title is a little misleading, but but I think by I guess the end it's of the irony movie, of it. Yeah. Yeah, by the end of it, it all makes sense and I like the title. I don't mind it so much, I think. I think it makes the movie all the more difficult to stomach the irony of it of the movie being called joyland the possibility of you know being in something like joyland versus being in a completely oppressive situation that is the opposite of joyland yeah the irony of it but i also see kind of i mean amusement parks in themselves are outrageous they make no sense you're basically Mm -hmm trying to find the joy in life by risking your life or feeling like you're risking your, like i i don't like amusement parks for one that is yeah i agree with that sentiment um oh yeah i guess like no that's a really good point like it's a place where you try to look for excitement or joy mm-hmm. but but what you find is brief or fleeting it's not permanent it's somewhere you go in and come out of and, and you see that with um, Hayther's relationship with Biba. He goes in and comes out. Um. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so any, any moment of happiness or joy that any of the characters experience in the movie is so fleeting that in the grand scheme of things, it, it has little impact. Also how Mumtaz and... Nucci goes into Joyland and comes out of it, but goes back to the real world of oppressive Pakistani society. Hmm. And just how much it doesn't make sense for one to go there to find joy. To me, anyway. I don't know how that makes any sense. Is this a movie you would recommend to your friends and or family or people you know? Well, it depends on the person. Family, like, whatever, never. It's like they're not interested in anything I'm interested in. I'm not gonna ever recommend anything. Okay. Uh, friends, the ones who might appreciate this, maybe yeah. Especially the LGBT aspect and anyone who enjoys art. What's the word for it? Basically, anyone who isn't a philistine in my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which, which you know, there aren't that many. But yeah, I would. Yeah, by the end of the movie, I was eager to recommend it. Just, it was it was a powerful little movie, and I don't think... It didn't... I don't remember seeing it, like, listed on AMC, or it may have been listed, but it just never was actually released. Like, it, it deserves more attention for what it is. Yeah, you recommended it to me, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? It's maybe not technically such a great movie. Not that I know much about that, but mm-hmm. emotionally, it's so smart. I think it's so good at um, pathos. Yeah. Um, technically, I thought I thought technically it was quite good. Like it was quite effective. I don't know if you remember the scene where they were talking at lunch or dinner when Hayther reveals to them that he found a job, and they're like, "Oh, you know, someone should stay at home." The camera was right behind Mumtaz. Mm. That was such mm-hmm. a great shot. You can feel the tension, her tension. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're behind. right. It was technically yeah. good. So I think the cinematography was quite clever in this movie too. Really powerful stuff. I think I was thinking of oh yeah, the performances by the way, what did you think about the performances? I really liked it. Yeah, I thought they were strong performances. Um I think they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I think the only one that this is me just nitpicking cuz I thought everyone was great was 
Biba's performance. Sometimes there were moments where I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I think I think it was just you know the character, right? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I was brought out of it, like, oh, I can tell she's acting or trying to. Okay, but that just seems like the drag queen character. You know, they. You mean like they have to the act character she puts in on a particular way. Yeah, the flair. But it wasn't really that. It was more of like a maybe it was maybe sometimes you know how it seems like someone's bad at acting, but that's just the way they emote. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the it doesn't way seem natural. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of Brad Pitt. Like he just kind of emotes weird. I don't think he's. I think that's just him. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of Keanu too. Although yeah. I think anyone yeah. would say he's not a good actor, but like even when he's too. really emoting in real life, he is like that. Like yeah. it, it doesn't seem real. That is true. Yeah, I guess yeah. it might be that. Yeah. Yeah, what a depressing beautiful movie. Yeah, it was it was very beautiful. It was very powerful. Like like kudos to the director for being able to pull this off. Yeah, and a de- debut movie. Yeah. Is it his and debut he wrote movie? It. I thought it was. I think I read somewhere it was. I initially thought it was two. Did you know that um, the director, whose name again is? Saim Sadiq. Sadiq uh, originally started this screenplay as an assignment for one of his classes at Columbia. Yeah, you I was that. just gonna say. Yeah, can you imagine? Um, apparently it's his thesis. Okay. Yeah, wow. Maybe that's the way to go. Go to film school. <laughs> Create a concept. Uh, prototype and then turn that into a feature film selena recently actually just today or yesterday bought a car congratulations thank you we're twinning now we are unsoul has the same car yeah Um, and that the price of that car is pretty much the price of one year of film study school film school i'm just saying like the tuition for it why do you look so pissed (laughs) no i'm i'm thinking i'm not pissed um i think film school is probably a lot more expensive yeah i was just thinking of edinburgh oh oh yeah edinburgh Edinburgh, that's fine um columbia film school (laughs) dude i don't even know it's like over a hundred thousand dollars for three years is it three years film school yeah oh yeah but film studies must be like a master's it's just two years oh film studies would be one year and a film studies master's in columbia would probably be like seventy eighty thousand dollars yeah insane i can buy three elantras with that (laughs) (laughs) why would you when you could go to film school and get a nice education that's true that's true no it's not i'm being sarcastic i don't know okay okay (laughs) and then Um, right after this gem of a movie uh rainbow of joy i watched inside lewin davis (laughs) oh my god dude what are you doing to yourself oh my god Oh, what do you think about Inside Lewin Davis? Briefly. It was good. It was good. The tragic thing is, I had seen this YouTube clip of Oscar Isaac singing with the guitar from a movie. And it was another movie that was happier. And I thought it was this movie. And I was expecting the scene for his breakthrough, you know, that one good song. And then he'll, like, get representation and become famous. I was waiting for that. And then the movie just ended where it started. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah, dude, when I watched it, I was like, is that gonna be me in art? Oh, I'm never gonna get anywhere, even though it's my passion. But my god, how relatable that must be to all artists out there. Yeah. The rejection. Yeah, it was, I thought it was a really good movie. It was, wow. It was incredible. Yeah, another depressing movie. And then, But then after that, I saw Captain Fantastic, which was refreshing. That's you good. Know? 
Yeah. Did you watch them all back to back? That's insane. You loved yeah. so many movies in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, I want to look. Uh, I want ham on those movies. Yeah. This weekend, it's because I personally haven't been watching that many movies this year. You have. You've been watching a lot. I have. I haven't seen anything in the past week, but I am going to the Roxy Cinema today to watch an American movie by Wong Kar Wai. Ooh, I hate you. So that's exciting. Wait, which one? Blueberry Nights. Yeah, that's today. My Blueberry Night. Your Blueberry Night? That's that's the title, My Blueberry Night. Oh, yes. My bad. You're right. My Blueberry Nights. Um, can we go back to the car? Can you can you pronounce the name of the company, please? <laughs> <laughs> can can I not? Can you do it first? No, I want to hear you say it the way you said it. <laughs> so when I try when I first pronounced it to my boss, he thought I was talking about Honda. <laughs> <laughs> Your boss, by the way, Selena's boss is Korean. <laughs> and then and then at some point, oh, I think it was. It was like the next day or the next week when I brought it up again, he realized that it wasn't Honda. (laughs) Okay, so so how are you saying it? Initially, I pronounced it as, oh my god, Hyundai? (laughs) That's better than how you pronounce it with me. Oh, really? No, because my boss pronounced it as Hyundai. That's why he confused it with Honda. I don't know. It's It's Hyundai. right right yeah i was pronouncing it right all along you maybe made it more of a die which most people do it's fine hyundai Hyundai. okay yeah like hyundai that's how how people say hyundai but when you were talking to me earlier you said hyundai (laughs) or something like that (laughs) (laughs) okay well i took the car home yesterday spent at least 30 minutes looking for a parking crazy experience yeah yeah parallel Um, parking few bumps (laughs) i attempted parallel parking several times in extremely tight spaces um i was successful like two or three times um i did hit the curb a few times i'm gonna check my car later to see if everything's okay a bird took a poop on my new elantra so i need to clean that up um yeah no, the dealership can do that for you when you get your plate. Um. That's true, but I don't want to drive around with bird poop before. It's fine. Cars okay. in the States are disgusting. No one gets their car washed. Oh, but I want to keep mine clean. I'll just, like, rub it off a little later. With what? Um, water and this, like, surface cleaning liquid. I'll mix it up and put it in a bottle, and I'll bring what, it is down. Is it, like, Clorox thing? Oh. Yeah. Windex? Maybe, yeah. Why do I know these random brands? Okay. I have no idea. Are you cleaning a lot? <laughs> no, we don't have those brands here. I have no idea what the brands here are called. I don't know why. I know oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, wait, then how do you know? That's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just like living in America through movies. Yeah, vicariously. <laughs> living the life That's I crazy. Want. Okay, anyways, it, it feels so strange to have a car i just woke up today and i'm like i woke up to having a car that's crazy yeah it's nice isn't it yeah it's gonna be so convenient um yeah yet it isn't because you have to drive you have to park pay that for parking true. that is true pay you for win gas some, you pay for insurance some, i guess or mostly lose because i hate driving well i surprisingly <laughs> i love driving for some reason <laughs> weirdo yeah it feels nice um it feels fun it's like playing a video game <laughs> 
it's fun if you're going mostly straight and fast and there you don't have to switch lanes so much and stress about mm-hmm. other cars and if there's no traffic but usually there is traffic and there are other idiots on the road and other people true. on the road yeah yeah i realize i forget about pedestrians <laughs> exactly you keep thinking about the other cars and you forget about the pedestrians yeah. and you've already <laughs> almost hit like six pedestrians oh so you know that's an- <laughs> oh my god so bad but that's so true you just forget about the people because yeah. you're thinking about the cars get to drive to work um and not get asked out on the bus again so that's that's fun <laughs> i swear that was like the biggest incentive for you to get a car yeah. is all the creepy guys and bus stations <laughs> yes dude the reason i signed the contract was mostly because of that that pushed me over the edge <laughs> what we have to deal with yeah yeah i was like I saw the price tag. I was like, oh my god, am I really going to do this? And I thought about taking the bus. I'm like, yep, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's like when you took a, a like a $50 lift to work just because you yeah. didn't want to run into a guy. Yeah, it was like 25 to be fair, but yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, society. <laughs> yeah, I, the car is worth it, just, just to avoid that. Yeah. But couldn't you have waited for a cheaper end Elantra to come into the another dealership somewhere? I could have, yeah. I mean, you did get a nice Elantra, but, like, it is more expensive. Yeah, stop making me feel bad, dude. (laughs) I mean, isn't there a return policy? But also, don't feel bad about it. It's still good value, really good value. Yeah, I mean, because so so what convinced me was, so I was hesitant and I was wavering, and the salesperson looked Mm -hmm. really unsure. He didn't want me to Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable, so he called his manager over. And the Mm -hmm. manager just said a few things, and I was like, okay, fine. Um, he basically was talking about like chip shortage and how after the pandemic it's difficult for um, a lot of particular Elantras to come in. So the Elantra I got was the only gray SEL they had at that dealership and it was brand new. I was the first person to get in and test drive it because it came in that day. Mm. But it was also stocked with a few upgrades that I paid for. And it's fine, you know. Did you check if you have a sunroof? I I didn't do that yet. I'll do that today. (laughs) I think you might, judging by the price. But yeah, like, it'll just feel like a much nicer car for the decade or so you have it. Yeah, I'll try to keep it for a decade. It does feel nice to get into a new car, I will say that. Smell is a bit strong. um, Okay, that's enough car talk. Yeah, and I need to go shower and eat breakfast, so... Thank you for listening to Real Talk. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. You can also follow us for updates on Twitter and Substack, even if you don't know what that is. <laughs> I guess we need to start saying X instead of Twitter. But who wants to oh, do that? Don't get me started. You know, by the way, it's so ugly, I just deleted it from my phone. <laughs> I'm gonna do that too. I'm gonna do that too. It's insane. It's so what, what is he thinking? What the actual F? Like... <laughs> All right. Anyway, this has been a real talk for real. Bye. Bye.